Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eastern Conference Confidential, Episode 8, Volume 3. That's right, we've tried this three times. This is the third. If you're hearing this, great. If you're not, I'm crying. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Evan Valella, as always, joined, of course, by uh, Ryan Allen, Brendan Doherty, and joining us from Mongols. I know we talked on Twitter about how it was going to be Matt from Unused Subs, but he's currently watching soccer, so we had to find someone to replace him, and that is uh, Mike Sparks from Mongols. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I'm doing yeah, well, I mean, pretty much, you know. Like, uh, thank you for, for being flexible enough to come on in the last second. Um, we owe you our everything, uh, being the dad of the podcast. I guess. Oh, stop um, it. No, I'm not going to call you that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Right, no. but like that time, I figured I got one shot, so I might as well use it. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help you guys do what you're doing. You guys have a great show here. Oh. So I enjoy listening every week. So I'm Someone's just... coming back next week. I, he's <laughs> yeah. trying to, what he's doing, he's trying to wedge a divide between us. So that's right. That one of you other guys drops out. Slowly but surely. Yep, it's happening. Anyway, uh... It's the John Harks podcast. Not that he's here. I mean, he's, he's, he's free, so we probably could have gotten him. However, FC Cincinnati uh, has no longer requested his services, so he has been fired. Um, guys, I guess your initial thoughts would be great. I mean, it's definitely a shock. But, um, yeah. I mean, we can talk about the rumors. There's not really that much substance in... in I was uh, Galar Seps right up on it, but... Um, you know, it'll, it'll definitely have an impact in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Brendan. I mean, if you can make an argument that Harks was, if not top three in the Eastern Conference, top three coaches in the league, and for anyone to lose your job like that is definitely a shock to go through the entire conference and league itself. Yeah, I mean, I mean even I, if he I was even top three coach, he's definitely number one in, in Eastern Conference coaching fashion, so... I think that's that's where we'll see the biggest impact. I, I kind of thought that this was like, this was part of their plan. Like when they came in, it was like, look, we're serious. We're gonna go to MLS. We got a real coach. And then for this stuff, you know, happen after their first season, I think it was a bit of a shocker. I I know we're gonna talk about the Riverhounds in a little bit, but they end up playing them second, and I was like, ah, crap. Like this is, you know, we've got a pretty tough early season schedule and all of a sudden I was like hey this this might not be too bad now you know we'll see what happens but yeah I, I was I was definitely surprised yeah um, well and, and to go off of just the, the pedigree of John Hart's um, ex men's national team coach for those uh, unfamiliar hello mom uh, <laughs> trying to say that the reason you replaced an ex men's national team coach is to win or to bring a championship to Cincinnati and then to replace him, and with all respect to Alan Cook, with a Division II Canadian coach in soccer, in, a, in college soccer, is not a great look. I, that, that was kind of my initial, initial takeaway. Was All right, so yeah, your initial pitch for bringing soccer to Cincinnati is oh hey look we're not like all these other clubs we have John Harks and we have Sean Acoli and we have you know this this really and we're drawing and then to go oh but like we want to win a championship for you guys but like let's do that with a less talented coach 
Yeah, see, um, I took it the opposite way. Um, and there's a little bit of some, some salty passive-aggressive lines in that press release that was, um, I think they were attributed to birding the, the GM. Um, and apparently there was a rift between the GM and, and um, Coach Harks. But, I mean, in the, in the, right, in the, the press release, birding refers to Allen Coach as, like, a, a better coach 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 uh as, as, a, as a better coach tactically technically somebody who can better lead um the team forward um it was a little weird when he signed on as an assistant coach um and doing some video analysis nerd stuff for mm-hmm. cincinnati after being the head coach at, at vancouver whitecaps too um so i think that's kind of in your mind as an option when you bring on somebody with usl head coaching experience as your assistant um it makes you a little you cling a little bit less to your your head coach and i think when hark signed on he didn't necessarily have any experience as a coach um i'm pretty sure it was his first have you know senior team coaching job um you know he was brought on as a name and that name generated attention that attention culminated in cincinnati's bid for mls now that that's that bid is submitted they don't really need the john hark's name as much so if birding has a problem with john hark's attitude you know, he's not, yeah, at this point, he's not, you know, um, crucial to Cincinnati moving forward, according to, uh, to Birding's calculation. So do you think this was all sort of, I don't want to say it was a ploy, but do you, do you think this was sort of in the works where it was just, let's generate as much hype as we possibly can before we get our MLS bid submission in and then go from there? I mean, there were definitely coaches who were available who actually had experience coaching in USL before or anywhere uh, <laughs> at a high level. It's not, you know, youth coaching. Um, I think Harks was brought on, and I'm not saying that he, he didn't do his homework. He did. He studied USL. Um, he, he had, like, folders full of information when he came to do uh, broadcasting for the USL final in Rochester. Um, the guy definitely knows his stuff and was dedicated, but you don't, I mean, they didn't hire John Harks because of his coaching experience. They hired John Harks because he's a name and because every anything that he does will get a write-up on MLSsoccer.com, which mm. happened. Anything that yeah. he did, anything that he said, they ate up because he has the the play, the pedigree as a player. Um, it's a, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this was you know, planned or that they brought on somebody in December expecting to can Harks, but, you know, that's got to be part of the consideration when you bring on an assistant coach with... Uh, first team experience I'm going to throw out a theory Eric Winalda got him fired (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to really talk about why Um, for fear that the Sirius XM FC uh, mob will come and kill me or something but uh, yeah Eric Winalda got him fired and uh, that's the end of the story there's no rift between management and John Harks even though there probably clearly was Uh, Eric Winalda got him fired so uh, when Alda got inside his head when he announced that he was he was taking over the UPSL LA Wolves team. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big yeah. US Open Cup match. When you said inside his head, I thought you were going somewhere completely different and wanted to cry. Yeah, we're gonna stay I'm gonna try to stay away from those Thank jokes. Thank you. I'm glad those jokes are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> if if we so can now. if we can tiptoe the line without going over and just kinda leave the, the rest to everyone else, we'll be great. We'll be great. Yeah. So now John Harks is going to pop up coaching a the LA Wolves crosstown rival in BSL. Yeah. I love it, and it'll get I written up wait. on MLS.com. Yeah. yeah, it will. It will. <laughs> oh man, uh, 
yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, Mike, usually we like to, you know, talk about the, the club or the guy that we have on. You know, that's usually how this works when you have a guest and you're not rude and don't talk about Sean Harks. Uh, however, you are here, so I figured we might as well talk about the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, <laughs> you've, you've played two games in the preseason so far. You drew North Carolina FC, which I was surprised by, 1-1, and then you beat Duke uh, when you were in North Carolina 2-0. Yeah, we you did. You have uh, University of Akron, which I also lovingly refer to Portland Timbers U. Yep. Uh, Duquesne. Pittsburgh University of Charleston and the uh, the Rochester Rhinos. I don't know. We're coming for you, Brendan. Oh, weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I guess your thoughts on the preseason so far, and uh, I, to piggyback off of that, um, y- is it weird for you guys to play so much, so many college teams? I know you know your coach is, is Dave Brandt, who was the, the Navy coach for a while. But is it is it uh, a little bit worrying that you're playing one? Uh, USL team in there? No, yeah, um, no, it is. Um, it, it, you know, it's something that I I watched. I started watching the Hounds more intently last season, um, right before we started launching Mongols, and we sort of went back previous seasons. We were loose fans, but we didn't really dive into it the way that we have last year and going into this year. And so I was a bit surprised. Um, they they played a lot of college teams last year. I don't know if we had as many preseason games last year. I'm trying to think back through. Um, yeah, I am surprised that we're playing as many college teams, especially since the college teams are in their off season. Essentially, like they they play competitively in the fall, and then they have a spring season, which is really just playing a bunch of other teams out of the conference just to stay in shape. So this isn't even like peak college teams. Um, so I'm not surprised that they beat two 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 nothing today. Um, I would have been really surprised if they lost, um, but uh, no. I mean, I would have liked to have seen you know some more matches against ULCL teams. I'm glad that we do finish with Rochester before the season starts. At least get, you know, a USL game. I was glad to see at least the one NASL game on the schedule as well at the beginning. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess in terms of my thoughts on the preseason so far, I, I was talking to somebody else um, up here, John Krasinski, who does the uh, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Scholastic Soccer Show with me, and um, he was saying, you know, wow, you, you seem to really be like all in on the Hounds this year. And I said, you know, I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic. We, we all know that last season was bad. I guess we'll just we'll just say bad. Um, I mean, we had the owner on, and he was like, yeah, no, it was bad. You could say that. Um, so it was it was bad. Um, you got his blessing. And, yes, we got it. I got his blessing. Um, sorry, Tuffy. But uh, it, I think that going into the season, we were all sort of curious as to the impact that Dave Brandt would have on the team. Because some of the people that, or some of the players that he brought in last season, um, were somewhat underwhelming in terms of their contribution to the team, and so you know to give him a full off season to bring in his own players and start to really, you know, put into place his own system, which it sounds similar to something that like Red Bulls two play. Like he talked about playing like a four two two two. I don't know if it'll be as tight as the Red Bulls play. But um, I think we were anxious to see that. So I was like, okay, that, that could be a good decision if he could pull that off. And then to start the preseason in what felt like September, um, I felt like was a good move. <laughs> they've, they've been training, I think, for the past eight weeks, six, or, six to eight weeks, something like that. I mean, there's, there's pictures all over the Internet of the guys 
we didn't leave Pittsburgh. So, you know, it's snowing out here, and we have guys out there rolling around in the snow training, which, in my opinion, is fantastic because come, you know, the, the home opener on March 25th, the weather's going to be crappy. Like, it's just this known thing in Pittsburgh that out of all of our home games, there were only two of them that I think didn't rain last year. So, like, just get used to it. Like, don't go to Arizona because you're not going to be playing in Arizona weather. It's just, you know. And so I thought the decision to start the preseason early was good. I thought the decision to um, get a group of guys together as quickly as possible was good. I mean, looking around, there were still some USL teams, I think, that were just starting their preseason this week. So to have that leg up was yeah. good. Now, we talked to, we talked to Dave Brandt, and um, he mentioned off air, you know, one of the questions is, is, you know, are we worried about the team getting burned out? because they started the preseason so early. And um, I think that's just something we'll have to wait and see. But one of the big things, one of the reasons that everybody was was giving for the team being so bad last year was just this, the lack of fight. And apparently there was all sorts of stuff going on in the locker room, lots of little clicks, and it just nobody was willing to really battle for each other. And so that's one of the things that Brand has been emphasizing is really just this team unity. And I talked to uh, goalkeeper Trey Mitchell, and uh, and he was saying that you know it took like four weeks, but he looked around the locker room and he was like, you know, this is a legit family at this point. Like these guys are willing to go out. He doesn't think that they're going to win every game. He doesn't think they're going to have the most talent out there because let's face it, in terms of money, they haven't spent nearly as much money as some of these other teams. But these guys are going to go out and just bust their butts for each and every one of them and that's something we didn't see last year so I think I'm cautiously optimistic the decisions that have been made thus far I think are decisions that I'm happy with so now just whether or not that will actually play out who knows we'll see but that's that's sort of where I am at this point in the preseason um I have a question about uh coach Brandt um people who had covered him uh, when he was at uh Navy Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. I think just Goff and maybe some somebody who covers college, you know, they were talking about how, you know, he, obviously he has a great pedigree in the college game. He has experience there, and you know, he's somebody who can, you know, shape, you know, whatever shape the trajectory of young players' lives. Um, so it was really weird. Like that's basically the only thing I had in my mind of Coach Brandt. And then, I mean, you just mentioned that there were clicks in the locker room and. The only thing that people really remember about Pittsburgh Riverhounds from last year is um, don't say the Carl Wee Romeo. Oh, don't say it. Oh, already. So, oh, oh, I mean, that's the complete opposite of you know having <laughs> Are a we allowed to say Romario Williams family unity so... you know type locker room. You know, would would it have been worse without Brandt, or did he not you know, do enough, or is that just you know a cliche no. that we apply to college coaches that they must be good at handling you know locker rooms? No, that's okay. a good question. So, was the, was the was the Williams thing pre-Brant? Yes. As well, yeah. Okay, that yeah. was like right before. Yeah. So what happened was there was there was like a succession of things that just made it really difficult for us to go on air that week. Where it was the Lansdowne boys' loss, it was the Romario Parks kick in the back, and then um, the letting go of our then current manager to bring in Dave Brandt. So Dave Brandt came in after all of the chaos. Um, which, yeah, his his style um, is he's if you ever watch him on the sidelines, he's very reminiscent of a like a Jurgen Klopp um, type. <laughs> I'm gonna run up and down the sideline, um, you know, like a like a Conte as well sort of thing. Where he 
if he could be out there and playing all 11 positions, he would. Um, <laughs> and and he has a very distinct way of playing. Somebody somebody put together a video when he was at Navy, and it came out of him at like an actual coaching session, and just watching him run, like he runs almost more than the players do. Um, kind of say, you go here, now you go here, now you go here, and it's just it's in, it's intense. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we when we brought when he first got into town, we talked to him, and, and he was very optimistic. And then later, you know, I think we talked to him two weeks ago, and he said, yeah, you know, he's probably a little too optimistic, trying to do too much at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that we've talked about is 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 bringing in a successful college coach a good approach for something in the USL where. You know, the goal is really to develop talent. I mean, or I guess we can have the discussion. Is the goal really to just develop talent to feed MLS and upper tiers? Or is the goal to really just build a solid team? And, and one of the things that he's doing is he's coming in, he's used to dealing with a lot of young guys that are moldable and shapeable. But when you come into some of these teams that have, you know, USL veterans that have played in the league for six, seven, eight years it's kind of like the old dog new tricks thing where it's kind of like what's my incentive to really try to run faster and do this other thing over here because i've been here like i know what the usl is about and so he may be very good for the hounds in the sense that he's going to bring in a lot of young guys which he has i mean there's a lot of returning players from last year but he's bringing a lot of young guys and he may be able to mold and shape them and help them progress to potentially columbus crew or whoever else ends up picking him up in the mls um but you know, there's that there's that whole other discussion about whether or not that's good for the hounds long term as well, because you're just be you're just this feeder team for the pros, and you can't you know create any sort of uh, co- coherent team from from year to year to year to year. There's no you know recurring patterns there. But yeah, I I don't know if that answers your question. I sort of just rambled about Brant for a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Ryan, can you talk to this gentleman about his schedule next year? Yeah, so with the, um, since I write for Indominal City Soccer, hey Josh, hey Kyle, well, the, um, from last year's ELO ratings, we've computed that Pittsburgh has um, the most average schedule in the Eastern Conference it. with the <laughs> third quarter of the year being your easiest and then the fourth quarter of the year being your hardest. Oh, since great. it's so kind of just, uh, n- or since it's so just night and day in that second half, how important is it to start the season out on the correct foot and earn points early on in the year so that it'll, when the crucial second half come, that you'd be in a good position for the playoffs. Ooh, playoffs? Are we talking playoffs? Um, <laughs> we are vaguely talking playoffs. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I think it's 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 crucial, which um, if you look at the early start of the season, you know we have the defending champs for, I think, the third time out of the past four years is our home. Yeah, I was going to say, USL loves to do that. Yeah, they love us. We're the best. Um, So, yeah, we'll get the Red Bulls at home on the 25th, and then I think we're supposed to travel to Cincy, and I want to say Louisville's mixed in there, too. So we start things off rough, um, and then to end things off rough is not great. So I'm kind of happy that (laughs) things are going to be okay in the middle. Um, I think last season, gosh, I can't even remember how many games we went without really getting a point. I remember one point we were on the pod, we were like, look, over the next like 10 games, if we can get like seven points, it'll be great. And then like even that didn't happen. Um, so <laughs> yes, it's it's important for us to come out the gate and get some points early. Um, I think, you know, in terms of establishing what is the benchmark for this team this year, 
with the you know the tire fire that was last year if we could make the playoffs i think a lot of people would be happy and it would show that we're sort of heading in that right direction i think a lot of the players on the team are talking about this being feeling and really being something special and they they're pushing for something more which i'm just really hoping isn't um you know i don't say false positivity but they're around each other a lot we'll really see what happens when they play you know Rochester here in the last game before the preseason I think that'll give us a good sense of how the early part of the season is going to go because like I said I don't think you know beating up on Duke 2-0 is really going to do anything especially since we're playing a lot of teams back-to-back on weekend games which I don't know if that's how other USL teams are doing it but we're not even seeing a full team for a full 90 minutes you know against North Carolina we started the first half with half the team and then we brought in the other half of the team for the second half so hopefully by the time we get to Rochester we have more of a solid you know, starting 11, and we see them for 75% of the game, and then we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah, not thrilled about the end of the season being the tough. I'm happy that, you know, looking at that article, that we're uh, we're middle of the pack, which if we follow it, you know, if we're, if we're going to go off of that, then that means that uh, we'll finish about ahead of both uh, Red Bulls 2 and Louisville and Orlando City. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that. But would uh, be the happiest man <laughs> on earth. <laughs> If that's how everything shaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, where where are you at here, uh, Evan? Oh, yeah, you're number yeah. one. You're number one. Yeah, okay, number yeah. one, which, by the <laughs> way, in the one Eastern one. Conference, alphabetically, I'm also number one. Right, right. So, <sighs> either way. Number two, only two. Oh, no, wait, no, because they're not Arizona anymore. We might be number one in the league. You yeah. are. Great. Love it. <laughs> It'll make it all the sweeter when we beat you. Twice. Thank you again, Phoenix Rising FC, for sending me the magnet and also changing your name. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> you'd mentioned that that last season was a tire fire for Pittsburgh, but I mean that's kind of where the team. I mean, I don't want to say that you guys don't make the playoffs, but you're always kind of on that bubble. Um, so you didn't make the playoffs, weren't close last year, but the year before you only made it in by one point. The year before that, you know, you were outside of the playoffs by what are you saying, five Brendan? Five points. I mean, is is making the playoffs the goal for Pittsburgh? I think it's the, um, you know, if you talk to Coach Brandt, his goal is to win every game. Um, I think that there's, so Pittsburgh has gone through a lot of uh, difficult times recently. Like a few years ago, they went through bankruptcy, which was a big deal. Um, So we got new ownership. Um, and Tuffy, you know, he's he basically owns a construction company full time. He's never really owned a professional team before that, so he's sort of learning a lot on the job. Um, we've had a lot of discussions about, you know, like oh, you look at Cincinnati and they have they invest this much money in marketing and they do all these different things. And, and Pittsburgh seems to do things <laughs> completely differently. And so, um, I would say that yes, you know, being realistic, I think making the playoffs would at least to the fans start pointing us in the right direction do we want to you know make it far in the playoffs and win everything absolutely and if that happens this year you know I'm, i keep making you know epl I, I feel i would i would feel like lester at that point like yeah all right and you know and then the next season if we don't make the playoffs it'd be like okay but we won we won last year it's all good um but no i think i think realistically considering everything that went down last year um and considering they're trying this will be Dave Brandt's first full year of trying to implement you know this high pace system that he wants to do I think if if we're able to make the playoffs this year then yes I think that is 
a goal. The team is going to say our goal is to win everything. I think from a fan perspective, if we make it back to the playoffs, if we at least win our uh, uh, our, our Open Cup game, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> that, um, we'll be happy about that too. But uh, but yeah, I think that's sort of the benchmark for us this year. If we're if we're in that contention and we're battling and we're winning games here and there, even against some of the top teams and just sort of you know mucking things up, I think we'll be happy. Um. So, so it, it, you talked about it a little bit, and you said we could have the discussion, so we're going to have it. Uh, the, the River Hounds are the USL affiliate of Columbus Crew SC, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because uh, one of the people on this podcast is a crew fan. Um, yeah. That it's being me. said... Uh, <laughs> uh, who? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's Ryan just raised his uh, name for the podcast. You know, uh, uh, Brendan's here, and, and he covers Rochester, and they're the affiliates of, of the New England Revolution. Uh, oh, I'm wow. in a weird spot because that. I cover Bethlehem yeah. and we're the affiliates of the Philadelphia Union. That being said, uh, before they played a game, before they signed Derek Jones to be the first guy on their on their roster last year, the the buzzword was pipeline because <laughs> you know it would be uh, and not any of the ones they're trying to build in Dakota. Uh, it, it, it was you know you do the academy, you come to Bethlehem, you go to the Union, and that was the main goal. The main goal is to develop players for Bethlehem Steel. Yeah, like, if you're a bad team, that doesn't help develop players. So the goal, you know, is to make the playoffs, to be competitive in USL. But the main goal is to develop players. And last year, I know a lot of people, I think maybe you guys included, not to, you know, hold anything against you guys, because it's a common question. Really, you know, how much are you guys really going to develop players? You know, because a lot of clubs you see, uh, like your New York City and Wilmington, uh, they don't do anything. Uh, but for us, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Derek Jones and Austin Trusty both got first-team contracts. Um, so it's one of those things, you know, you guys being affiliates for a team that's not just kind of right down the road, you know, where your team doesn't practice with the first team on a regular basis, all that kind of stuff. What's the relationship like with Columbus Crew? I know last year you guys got Ben Swanson and uh, somebody else like early on in March. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but what's the relationship with you guys like? And then you know, as far as as your parent club is concerned, what is success for the Riverhounds? Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question. So in terms of the relationship, we'll start there. Um, this was something we've been trying to tease out from the team as well because. Last year, That's I think we. I know, right? Um, we've I been think, trying for years to figure this out. Um. <laughs> well, okay, so so I think it was three years ago we had a partnership with Houston, or something like that, and apparently that was just not good because you know the distance alone between Pittsburgh and Houston, just trying to send players back and forth, it was a massive pain, um, and I don't think. I don't want to say that Houston didn't take it seriously, but a lot of these teams were just like, okay, yeah, we'll partner with the USL teams because we have to, but we really don't want to do anything beyond right. that. Um, and then two years ago, we didn't have a relationship with anybody, and apparently we did fairly well with that because you're not having to think about, like, okay, this other guy's coming down here, now i got to give him minutes. Last year we went back with Columbus, and there were a lot of people on the fence about how's this going to shake out. And honestly, um, you know, probably the best player that we got from Columbus last year was Zach Steffen, which was a keeper. He came in about mid-season. And I Philadelphia think... Philadelphia Union Academy member Zach Steffen. you got to get that in there, don't you? I think he's been playing... <laughs> he should have with... been a homegrown. <laughs> um, I, 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 I saw some interview. I don't know if he's been playing with Columbus in the preseason or not. But um, dude is dude is a stud. Like we we said that if we could bring you know at the end of last season we said if we could bring back anybody 
it'd probably be Zach Steffen and start in the back. Like, I think that he has a very promising future, even beyond Columbus Crew. He's fairly young. We'll see what happens with him there. But um, in terms of the relationship between the teams, what it sounds like is uh, Coach Brandt has spent apparently a lot of time with Greg Berhalter. Um, and they're sort of on the page, same page. Dave Brand has been watching some of their practices, but at the same time, they don't play the same sort of style. And so the idea is that Burhalter has been watching or continues to watch a lot of what goes on with the Hounds, but he's also very hands-off. He sends players down and lets them know, like, look, I'm sending you down there, but if you don't earn a spot, you don't play, period. So it's totally up to Brandt whether or not he plays these players or not, um, which I think is good uh, because ultimately we don't, we don't just want to be the child club of some other team that we really, you know, it's different in the case of, you know, Union in Bethlehem, where you're, like you said, your goal is to get good enough to play for Union, period. We don't have that sort of marriage with Columbus. It's just sort of symbiotic. Columbus need a USL team and we need good players. So here, why don't we help each other out and you can drive whatever it is, four hours to get back and forth. Um, so yeah, I, and even Tuffy said the same thing, where there's there's zero pressure for the Hounds to play any of these guys. The larger discussion of what is the role of the Hounds, um, because, you know, let's face it, Pittsburgh is a town that is, I don't want to humble brag here, but we're used to having champions, and uh, we just haven't in, in soccer. So um, the whole idea that, uh, you know, we have this second-tier Pro soccer team, I feel like in a lot of ways people just don't pay attention to it. They're like, well, you know, it's not first tier, and they're not really winning anything, so why should I care? Like, you know, we just had a parade for the Penguins. Wait, yeah, why am I going to watch, you know, these guys? So, the question of, you know, nobody's going to come out and support just a pure feeder team. So I think that, in terms of the, the mentality of the diehard fans, we want it to be Pittsburgh first, because we do think that if Pittsburgh had a successful USL team that's actually competing for championships every year, we'd have a ton of people turning up for games. Um, you know, that's not an excuse for not having people turn up the games, but in in the mind of the fans, it's Pittsburgh first. And if the Columbus players can come down and help that, fantastic. But our goal is not to develop talent to then send them up to Columbus. If they came from Columbus and they can go make it for the first team, good on them. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just to develop talent, um, help players get better, so ultimately we better the team. And occasionally you're going to get players like a Robbie Vincent who just goes on fire for a year, and all of a sudden now he's over starting for D.C. United. So that's just one of the side effects yeah. of being in the USL. Uh, Ryan, I guess oh, – sorry, Brennan. As, a, as you know, someone who's been on kind of the, the most negative side of an affiliate deal – with an MLS club, uh, is there any precautionary tales you have for people who might be listening who are San Antonio FC fans? And then, uh, you know, how does all of this talk about pipelines and, and things like that, you know, uh, are you, I don't know, like bitter at all? Like, would, if New York City cared more, would there still be a Wilmington Hammerheads in USL? I guess is the question I want to ask you. I really don't cite the NYCFC partnership is why the Hammerheads aren't in the USL. I'd put that more on the front office. But, I mean, NYCFC just needed a team in the USL, and I think the better part was they don't want to field their own USL team, mainly because the USL team would have a soccer stadium before the first team would. Mm. But, 
<laughs> but when they were partnered with us over the years, or, I mean, everyone remembers that one match when they played New York Red Bulls 2 in 2015 when NYCFC happened to send an, a full starting lineup to the Hammerheads just to beat up on the Red Bulls because we happened to be in town and NYCFC didn't have a match at that time. But all throughout last year, they didn't send us a single player, and it was only a partnership on paper. I guess what I'm trying to say towards San Antonio is just be weary that you guys may not get any few players. And to go back to your point on pipelines and just player development, I think in the USL, you have to, for any MLS2 team or affiliate deal, you have to strike that perfect balance between do you want to be a competitive team in the league or do you want to develop players? You could look at Swole Park Rangers of the West of being one of those perfect mixes between the two or Red Bull 2 or Los Dos that have those like endless pools of players that just can replenish every year or you could look at teams such as I'm kind of drawing a blank here on what would you like an unsuccessful version I guess FC Montreal who kind of depended more on player development than getting results and at the re- as a result was at the bottom of the Eastern Conference pretty much every year well, I, I think part of it too, um, and I'll attest even for the for the union, uh, who previously had a relationship with Harrisburg, that while it was uh, good in terms of distance, um, it, it wasn't so good in, in terms of uh, cultivating players. Um, and uh, so when when push came to shove, the union said, "Hey, do you want to move?" Harrisburg said, "No, thank you." Um, probably a little bit stronger than that. And uh, so Bethlehem still exists. And now, you know, I think part of the reason why Bethlehem is so successful and Swope Park is so successful is because the MLS team literally built those clubs. Um, it's a lot easier when you come in and you say, you're literally going to run the formation that our first team in our academy runs, so there's no reason that any of these kids that you bring in won't know what they're playing. Um, on top of that, you know, it's, it's oh, uh John McCarthy needs minutes this year. Send him to Bethlehem. You know, or guys um, like uh, Taylor Washington. Segway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I was just going to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on the overall goal of the USL? What is the USL? Is the USL here to feed the MLS, or is the USL here to be a standalone competitive league? And can it be both at the same time? I thought I just read something that said that USL was the the best second division league in the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, no, so, so my thing is I always compare USL, for people that are not soccer fans, to the American Hockey League. Uh, it's a little different just because in the AHL, literally everyone's affiliated with somebody. Uh, but that being said, in the AHL, the primary goal is to develop players for the NHL. Um, that being said, as a standalone product, they're not in huge markets. So the idea is, oh, you know, we're, we know it's not NHL, but it's hockey and it's good. For USL, they're not, other than uh, San Antonio, I guess Cincinnati, and then Sacramento probably counts, and, and, you know, the New York teams don't count. But in terms of their, some of their independents are in big markets. But all those guys put in bids to move to MLS. So I, I think it's this thing where as long as you understand that there's 
a bunch of mid-major markets that now have soccer teams that are at the very least not going to make you want to actively gouge your eyes out by watching them that's what you get so it's the, i don't think it's one or the other i think it's both i think that you can have teams that are really competitive like fc cincinnati or san antonio or uh richmond kickers you know these big teams or tampa bay and ottawa coming in now you have teams that are competitive and you have teams where you go you know what they can make a big open cup run if they want but at the same time you have guys and you go oh wait that's you know Derek jones i saw him when he played for usl or that's uh <laughs> you know zach Steffen. i saw him when he was with the pittsburgh riverhounds you know guys like that were that kind of next wave of domestically grown talent in the united states is from usl and Concacaf as a whole actually with the amount of jamaican and canadian players we have yeah i don't think necessarily the league has to choose one or the other because it's up to each team to decide and it's not necessarily, you know, entirely mutually exclusive. It's like, uh, you know, there's 100%. You got to, you know, divvy it up between the two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the there are, the goal is to have play that helps young players develop while also not boring people. Um, <laughs> some of that is just continu- continuously pumping out YouTube highlight reels of Derek Etienne Jr. Yep. But uh, yeah, if yeah. it worked. Amazing. Know, I mean, honestly, and this is probably going to sound crazy, but um, part of me feels like, given it a few more years, I'd almost prefer to watch the U.S. I mean, right now I know this is true, but I can almost see the USL becoming a more exciting league to watch than the MLS. Um, I watched like I I watched the MLS finals last year, and you know, oh, that game was just awful. Yeah, and so you know, I don't have. I wouldn't take that into. I, (laughs) I know. I so I don't have. Obviously, I'm from Pittsburgh. We don't have an MLS team, so I don't. I don't really have any direct allegiance. For a while, I followed the Red Bulls, um, just because I have a brother who lives in New York, and then I was like, well, this is silly. Columbus is a little bit closer. I'll follow Columbus. So I did that, but. it's supposed to be the top tier and they keep talking about, Oh, you know, we're, we're just as good as some of these other teams in Europe. And it's like, well, you know, when I'm watching the finals and I count like 16 passes in 10 minutes to nobody, like that would get you kicked off the field anywhere else in the world. So I'd almost much rather watch some of these other teams that have, you know, smaller, but rabid fan bases um, where you have a lot of young flashy talent in these markets where these teams just, teams just keep seem to be popping up out of nowhere and eventually i could see mm. I'm, i don't want to say pro rel because i know that's a really contentious sort of thing but if the usl just keeps growing um which it seems like they they're just going to keep growing and they're going to subdivide and there's going to be divisions and eventually it's going to become this massive thing collectively all over the country you're going to have more you have the potential to have more people watching usl then potentially MLS just because MLS is like, we're going to cap it at whatever they're going to cap it at, 32 or whatever it may be. Whereas USL is sort of like the wild young gun, I'm doing like guns in the air sort of thing. Like, it, <laughs> Isn't it that what killed like, NASL though? Like, isn't that the big, like, let's not talk about it, but maybe that'll happen is that the USL is going to come upon a lot of money and they're not going to know what to do with it. And then you're going to end up with a team in Puerto Rico and like a bunch of teams will quit and they'll join another league and uh, so, right. So yeah. it's one of those things where, like, yeah, like I, you know, I think the USL, unlike MLS, where I think they cap at thirty, I think that's all they got. USL, they can, you know, as long as you keep replacing those those big market teams that jump, like you know, Cincinnati and Tampa Bay, and over on the west, like you know, Sacramento and 
San Diego or something, I don't know. As long as you replace those teams with, like, mid-market teams, they'll be fine. The problem is how much is too much, and, you know, what happens when you start having USL equivalents of uh, Beckham, United, FC, or whatever? You know, can yeah, they, can I mean, they I... respond from losing money? I mean, I guess that uh, the other thing that, that, that makes me positive is... Um, I don't know who who all out there follows our buddy Sean McPherson, but he covers a lot of the like fourth tier, like third and fourth tier divisions. Was yeah, that he's a, I, don't, I don't even know if there's a third division anymore. Um, uh, no, vacant. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's a number, uh, the number of teams that are just popping up all over the friggin' country, man. Like everybody wants a soccer team. So the NPSL just added 800 teams. I think I'm not really <laughs> even exaggerating, but like literally. Right. Uh, the city that I'm in, this is where Eastern Conference Confidential loses its gimmick. But like Westchester United SC got a team, and I yeah. was like, oh, they're like ten minutes down the road. So, and yeah, I mean it's it's NPSL, so they're not technically professional or whatever. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's a huge market for soccer. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it, if I think where NESL went wrong was they said we we are MLS. It's like this is or this is what we are. We're, we we want to be the number one tier, and USL's like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, we're good. We're good developing talent and sending it up to you. Like they're just sort of like the sneaky little brother that's like, it's cool, man. You guys do your thing. We're good. And I could just see it eventually, you know, like I said, becoming 30, 40, 50 teams, and then they got to figure out something else. And before you know it, um, you know, I, I think that the the partnership with USL has in a lot of ways has allowed MLS to sort of keep them under their thumb but I think after a while it's going to become something where MLS is going to be like I, I don't know what this is like I, I, I don't know what to do with this anymore and I think that's still years down the road but it makes me excited for a while I was like Pittsburgh needs to get in the hunt for an MLS team and now I'm like you know what like I don't see that happening considering a lot and all of these other teams that are putting out these bids um, not unless you know we get some other we get big money in for the team, which I don't see happening anytime soon. So I think I just sort of become comfortable with the USL and like you know what, like is I think this will be okay. Maybe that's me just being jaded because I'm here, but <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh man, I'm done ranting about the USL guys. Sorry. <laughs> Great. No, it's cool. I mean, no, you know. I remember a few years ago um, after the stadium was complete, and I think when Tuffy took over, um, I think him and. Cutney was Cutney in the front office. Yeah, um, gave some press uh, interviews talking about MLS ambitions, and it was at the same time that every, every anybody. I mean, it's still that way. Everybody just talks about MLS ambitions to try to get a headline, um, but you know, other people's got you know a second write up and had some traction into a second week. And when those stories came out for Pittsburgh, it, it like the story died. You know, two days later, and nobody really followed up on it. And it I just, think. I think that Pittsburgh still, you know, they still talk about it, but I I feel like their better bet would be like invest in what you have. Their their academy, which we've, they have a weird I have relationship. A good question about that, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say we we have a weird relationship with our academy, but um, go ahead, you can ask your question, and then I'll go on my other rant. Yeah, I mean, people who I mean, some guys who have worked for the team before, you know, there's a lot of attention and focus given to the academy, um, and is that something where you? You know, in two, three years, you're going to have players who come from the academy, play for the PDL team, and then get signed to the pro team. That, that happened once, I think, Anthony Vergara, if that's a real name. Um, but, I mean, other teams that have done that have kind of paid for it. You know, Orlando bought somebody's youth system. They bought somebody's PDL team and then, you know, said it was built, not bought. 
Um, but then, like, is that something that you can realistically expect coming down uh, in the next few years where Pittsburgh develops its own players? Or, or is the, the academy system just kind of designed to get people into college? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think we were a bit surprised. Pittsburgh doesn't have a PDL team this year, which they did last year, which a lot of people were like, hey, you know, why are we wasting money on this when our team is garbage and we're not, you know, really, <laughs> we, like you said, we had one player go from PDL up to the pros. Um, so I think it was a good decision to not do PDL this year if for no other reason they were able to invest the money and getting the guys in the preseason earlier so they can work together and gel and right. all of that. But, yeah, no, the relationship between the academy and the first team at this point seems very much more along the lines of just developing youth talent. And we've given them a lot of flack because it seems like there's this relationship where there may almost be more focus on the academy than there is on the pro team in terms of how funds are spent. Um, and I, I wrote up a piece in the offseason about how if you actually look at the dollars and you try to compare you know, ticket sales versus how much they actually make from the academy, in theory, the Hounds are probably making more money from the academy than they are actually ticket sales last year, um, which is not good. But <laughs> it, it's almost like and, and a, a number of the first team players, I don't know how common this is around the rest of the USL, most of, if not all of the first team players are required to go down and coach at the academy as well. So they're there, like, teaching, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, as, as a fan of the pro team, there's a lot of this question of why why is the team devoting so much resources to the youth academy when there really isn't any path from the youth academy up to the pro team? Um, now, that said, what the youth academy has done in terms of raising the stature of players in Pittsburgh has been phenomenal. I mean, um, everybody likes to talk about Megan Klingenberg, and I don't, I can't actually remember if she actually went through the entire program, but she's from Pittsburgh. She comes back, she does a camp, she does all of that stuff. U.S. men's, women's national team, Megan Klingenberg. Um, there's a girl, Adino Donahue, who recently went up and played with the U.S. U-20s. There's a number of other girls that have gone through the Hounds Academy, have gone on, um, and I think they just graduated 20 girls that are now going off to play for I think mostly Division One schools. So as, I don't as even a, know how you do that. That's more than an entire squad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so as a fan, you know, I may look at the academy and I'm like, you know, why are we devoting so much resources there? But at the same time, I can't argue with their results um, in mm -hmm. terms of elevating the level of play for the youth in Pittsburgh. Now, you know, most other teams like like a Red Bulls too, or like New York Red Bulls in general. They have the youth system to be a feeder to their USL team, to be a feeder to their pro team. This is how we play. You look at any team in Europe, and that's the mentality. And ours seems to be a little skewed, and I don't know if that will change over the next few years. You know, if, if Dave Brandt has a few successful years, and all of a sudden we're putting out more talent, and then it's like, okay, well, let's funnel these, these players into a PDL team and hope that they make it up to the, to the next tier. That'd be fantastic. But I almost feel that in the USL, you have so much turnover year over year that trying to invest in, and you guys obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but trying to invest in a youth system to feed a, a USL team, I don't know how beneficial that's going to be outside of a larger Red Bulls too, or Red Bulls, where you have the money to do specifically that mm. and mine different areas. The Hounds aren't yeah. going to mine other areas gonna, to get players. They're not going to sign these guys to pro contracts and exactly. then get transfer fees for them. Exactly. They're just going to go into MLS mm -hmm. draft. Exactly. Um, so, silly follow-up question. Is 
is the Pittsburgh Riverhounds pro team or the youth academy system creating a better name for the Pittsburgh Riverhound brand in in Pittsburgh? Like, which which is actually having a more beneficial effect on the the you know the the community embrace of the brand? I think it depends on who you ask. Um, if you go to a Riverhounds game, you know anywhere from. 50 to 70 percent of the people that you see there are probably families that are associated with the youth academy so Mm -hmm. in terms of the mentality anyone who can sort of afford to go to the youth academy are probably getting more from the brand by having these pro players who have this experience come down and train their kids than you know at least in terms of last year than fans who are going to the games and seeing things like the you know Romero parks incident so Mm -hmm. i think right now if you were to ask a lot of the young families with the people in the system, you know, what's better, the pro team or the academy, they're going to probably tell you the academy. Um, I think yeah. people who, the other thing is, is that, again, you know, it gets back to the mentality of a Pittsburgher and, you know, we like champions. There's a, there's a massive um, following of EPL and right. um, championship level fans in Pittsburgh and trying to get them to grasp onto something like the Riverhounds is very difficult. And so I think if you were to ask them, they would again say something like the the Youth Academy. So I guess that I'm, I guess I've sort of talked myself into saying that I think the Youth Academy is doing a better job <laughs> for the brand in Pittsburgh. But I think that the team is still trying to figure that out. I think because of the bankruptcy, right. there's been a lot of stuff that they've been handcuffed with. Um, I know that uh, the stadium situation has not been great. You know, I, I still argue that the Hounds have the the best one of the best stadiums in the league in terms of view, but um, rumors about the cost of the stadium in terms of its location and the rent that's paid um, for its location, it's it's not doing the team any good. Like they're they're throwing money away to have that stadium location. So it's you know, Tuffy mentioned when we talked to him that they're they're sort of looking for the new home, which I know a lot of people don't want to hear, but. If they can then use that money for a team that's going to compete every year, then I think that that's better as well. So I think in a few years that that dynamic will switch, and I think that the the pro team will be the better brand. And we'll, if we've we've argued that if there is more focus on the pro team, that that will um, help the youth team as well, because that'll you know increase the brand awareness and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just going to take them a few years to get there. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, before uh, uh, the headline where twenty players get signed, even you, your reserve players get college scholarships, is a better headline than you know the Riverhounds missed the playoffs for the second time in four years or third time in four years or whatever yeah. it was. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, Ryan, before I, I talk about maybe kind of the differences between um, academy setups as far as the Hounds and, and Bethlehem go, do you have anything to, to throw in there? I just, uh, it's very similar with how the Hammerheads Pro Team was set up that the academy system in the community was viewed as the money maker. It was more successful than the Pro Team, which was losing money every time it set foot on the field, and which probably caught or which caused the team to relocate elsewhere and leave the town. But I definitely feel that if you guys keep doing the same path, uh, the Pro Team will eventually become that more recognizable brand outside of just the academy players that graduate from the academy each year. Yeah, and it's it's something, too, where a lot of... Uh, one of the, We have a number of different colleges, you know, within 10 minutes of driving distance of each other. Two of them, you know, we're going to play in the preseason, Duquesne and Pitt. And uh, 
both Duquesne and Pitt are starting to get in the habit of mining local talent. And I think that if we keep that up and we keep mining players from the academy, that um, historically the Hounds have always tried to sign one or two players from local colleges. But I think if that keeps going, eventually you will see players from the youth system eventually make their way to the pro team. It just may have to go through college first. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the tricky thing, I know you were talking about, you know, maybe money from the, the academy uh, being able to be used for the first team for the Riverhounds. Uh, the weird thing about the pipeline for the union is that YSC, which is a, a, a hell of a facility, um, about eh, 20 minutes, eh, 15, 20 minutes from where the union play, um, was all built and paid for by one of the minority owners for the union. Uh, Richie Graham, if nothing else, cares a lot about youth and then youth soccer. Um, and, and, and so a part of the ease of being able to say, oh, we want to build one of the best academies in MLS and, and we're going to bring in, um, you know, uh, uh, Tommy Smith, who was an ex-Rangers Academy guy and, and you know, led the Rangers reserve team to a championship. Uh, we're going to bring him in to, to build this academy to run it. Um, where, you know, now you look at Rangers over in Scotland, it's Glasgow Rangers. Uh, you, you look at them, and the reason they're back in the Scottish Premiership is because of their academy. Legitimately, that's not hyperbolic. Uh, so for the Union, it's this weird thing where, yeah, you know, we want to have one of the best academies in, in, in the country, and they, I'm biased, but they probably do. There's only, you know, three or four teams that I'd put above them. Um, it was really just, we need to give them a place where they can play before they either go to college or to, to the first team. And they did that. And they got guys like Austin Trusty to decommit from UNC Chapel Hill to play for, for the first team. And there's no more of this, oh, well, is Keegan Rosenberry a homegrown player or not? Because we don't know where he played. Um, so it's, it's, again, just this weird dichotomy of, of USL teams just in terms of how they're run and what they can get away with. And, and if you know, oh, why are we spending money on the academy when we can spend it with the first team? It's just this... It makes USL one of the most interesting leagues, just even based off of, oh, well, do you look at Red Bull 2 and you look at the Union, and then you look at, uh, you know, like Harrisburg and, uh, you know, like Richmond and some other teams like that. and Just the disparity between what teams can do and how they go about business and how they go about playing and, and all that stuff, I think, makes USL maybe the most interesting league in the, in the country right now. I think that deserves a meme. Great. US Love it. As long as Ted Westervelt doesn't get a hold of it, we're great. <laughs> My goal is to get him to block me. <laughs> do it. Anyway, uh, Mike, uh, I like to do this with people. And I, I will agree, by the way, that your stadium is gorgeous. Um, so without maybe trying to say, hey, look, stadium, uh, pitch the pitch, pitch the. the <laughs> pitch the Pittsburgh Riverhounds to people who may not be familiar with the, with USL. Um, and then maybe if you can just throw in like a way too early prediction in terms of how you guys are going to do this year. Win it all! No. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, besides that. <laughs> Alright, so I guess uh, my pitch on the river. I should have prepared this, man. I'm going to butcher no, this. No, no, um, no, 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 no. You don't get to prepare. No one else got to prepare. You don't get to prepare. Okay, alright. I'll get, I'll get to prepare. Okay. Uh, my pitch for the Riverhounds. Um, 
I think the reason why people should follow the Riverhounds this year... Taylor whether, Washington. Yes, Taylor Washington. Um, <laughs> and that's it. That's my only argument. Uh, no. There you go. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, He's a wonderful person. Uh, yeah. We're going to have him on the show. I was, I was messing with him oh, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, we're going we're gonna to hook that up. Don't worry. Don't worry. I, I love it. You. I got you, Evan. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, if you're not a fan of Pittsburgh, or, or not a fan, you know, then don't don't listen. No. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you're wondering what Pittsburgh is, uh, the Riverhounds are... And you're wondering why you should follow them. Um, I would say that there's one of the big buzzwords that was used a lot around Pittsburgh in the 70s was family. Um, the the pirates were sort of the family as they went on their run to win however many. Cha- yeah, yeah. Ryan's there dancing um, as he sings "We Are Family." <laughs> yeah, um, but that's that's literally what they were. And I think that if you're not gonna be if you're not going to be a championship team that's that's competing every single year, what people want to see in Pittsburgh is they want to see people just pulling for each other. They want to see a blue-collar team that's going to just work hard, game in and game out. And I honestly think that that's one of the things that Brant has instilled in this team. So if you're looking for a team that you know may have a shot at going somewhere in the playoffs this year, but you're more or less looking for a... Um, an underdog, um, a team that nobody's really gonna, you know, give too much credit for, and that can come out. And we saw it even last year. When this team is on, they can compete with anybody. The problem is, is they weren't on other than like two games last year. And I think that they fixed that this year. So I think that there's going to be a lot more competition in these games. I think it's going to be exciting. You know, I'm stealing a lot of Dave Brandt's buzzwords. It's going to be fast-paced, mm. high-tempo, um, talk is cheap, which he has a T-shirt that says that on it. Um, Love it. Yeah, and so I think I think that's my pitch, is that if you're looking for a blue-collar team that's going to work hard and be exciting to watch, then I feel that Pittsburgh could be that team this year. Are we going to win every game? No. But is it going to be worth your time to sit through 90 minutes and watch this team compete? Yes. So I, I think that's my argument. And then in terms of where they finish this year, um, oh, jeez. How many teams are in the Eastern Conference now? Like 42? 15. 50. <laughs> 40. Yes, 42. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to finish yeah. 24th. No. Um, right. love it. <laughs> so wait. Seven and a half. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, I am going to predict, so looking at uh, some of the other teams here in the Eastern Conference, um, you know, the Eastern Conference added some talent this year, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with the addition of uh, Ottawa, um, with the addition of uh, the Floridians. Um, and so I'd like to say that we finish seventh. Um, sixth or seventh, um, which is it one point one point over the line. To uh, that that is that yeah, is. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many, how many teams make the the, uh, the playoff this year? Like forty uh, one. There's fifteen teams and probably twelve. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Fourteen. You will, will make it to twelve. No, I don't want to be overly optimistic. Um, so yeah, you I want to be, but you're gonna choose. I not really to do. I really want to. Right, um, there, there I'll say that we finish. You know, two spots above the playoff line. Whatever that may be, that's where that's where I think talking to the players. You know, there's a number of these players that uh, have been around the league a while. Um, are uh, like I said, I talked to Taylor Washington, which um, not you know not to plug our own show, but um, we have his interview with Mongols coming out tomorrow, and I had no, no idea. seriously like. 
listen to it because that's gonna be good. Yeah, um, he uh, uh, his pedigree I had no idea, but he basically played as a goalkeeper in the player pool for MLS, which basically just means that if another team needed a keeper. He would just go there and play with them for a few weeks. So he got drafted by L.A., so he got to play with Stevie G, Robbie Keane, Jossie Zardes. Um, but then over his time, he went and played in Orlando, so he got to play against Kaká, and then he went to uh, KC and got to play against Zussi and Failhaber and all of these guys. And so to hear him talk about playing with all these guys, what he's learned from all these guys, and then he comes to Pittsburgh and he's like, you know what, Like a number of these guys could compete in the MLS in his mind and this is something special makes me think that it could be something special so um, like I said I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic I will uh, just because he was uh, in Bethlehem last year we uh, established a relationship of, of some kind uh, mostly just a lot of hello uh, how are you no uh, but uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> how you doing well, don't touch me you're sweaty uh, um <laughs> I, I have I have never seen a, a player that everybody in the club, in the media, just anywhere. It was all like I we all love Taylor Washington and want to see him succeed just because of how nice of a person he is. Um, so I was I was a I was a little bit bummed out when we let him go, although I, I understand why. However, I, I was ecstatic, and I was the same way with Leo Fernandez when uh, when those guys found uh, homes, so to speak. Uh, it just so happened to be both in the Eastern Conference of the of, of the USL, but uh, you know they're playing professional soccer, and I, I really do wish those guys uh, the best, and I will tell them that when I see them. Um, that being said, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, thank you for for being put on the spot, but still coming up with the prediction. Uh, <laughs> I will see you somewhere near the, uh, the table. The Riverhounds have against Harrisburg this year. How many three. games? How many games? Three? Yeah, three yeah. or four? Three. Three. How win the Keystone Cup, please. Pittsburgh win. Two. We three. won't get into that. Win, Evan. win them all. Win them all. <laughs> win them all. I'll just win ask all the you games a real against Harrisburg. Question at the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Play, yeah. Win them all. The the yeah the whole uh, Keystone Cup. We won't we won't get into that. But uh, no no no. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Not doing it. <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, win, win all the games against Harrisburg. I want I want both PA teams just to sweep Harrisburg. <laughs> that works for me, man. I'm all cool. I'm all for that. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? We're gonna wrap up. People can find me on Twitter at ilm underscore ryan. Ilm's the airport abbreviation kit for Wilmington. What? I, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, know that. right. Really? I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Oh man, uh, Brendan, where can Louisville fans uh, spew their hatred towards you? Uh, well, this week Louisville fans and I can uh, join arm in arm and laugh at John Harks and all of the jokes <laughs> that we have on the podcast. High fives um, for Eric Ronaldo. Remnant at uh, on Twitter at Doherty Soccer D O H E R T Y Soccer. Uh, Mike, you're on at least 900 things i am uh yeah, great. talking about both the pittsburgh area and beyond uh i suppose we'll just direct them to uh the beautiful game network which this podcast is in fact one of many podcasts on at bgn.fm but where can people find you uh directly uh, that's a very good question i almost feel like i need to pull up twitter to actually answer that um 
So, uh, do you want me to give I... them your Gmail before you get there? Is that no? Do not give them my Gmail. <laughs> Don't do that. What's wrong with you? Come uh, on, well, man. I mean, let's not go into that list. We'll be here for a while. So, um, so if you're looking for me directly, I'm at Mike D Sparks on Twitter. Um, but I almost never use that. If you really want to converse with me, uh, you can look for uh, at Mongols M O N G O A L S on Twitter. That's where I do most of the stuff. Um, amongst other places. But if we're talking USL, go to at Mongols. There you go. We'll do that. Uh, I, I, save, save me for last. That's how this works. No, uh, on Twitter, at Valella, that's V as in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A, B-S-F-C, for Bethlehem Steel Football Club, the uh, eventual winners of some sort of trophy between Pennsylvania teams. Uh, and then, uh, then the podcast that you're currently listening to, and if you're not, then I don't know how you're going to figure out where to find us on Twitter, but I digress. <laughs> At ECC Pod, it's in all caps, but it's not case sensitive. Go find it. Uh, you can also send us an email. No one has yet. So if you would like to, you can be the first. Uh, would be, uh, let me pull it up. This is, this is where I run the problems. <laughs> Unpreparedness is my favorite. It is ECC Mailbag. That is M-A-I-L-B-A-G at gmail.com, E-C-C mailbag at gmail.com. It'll be in the thing below for the description. If you're listening, just look at your phone, pull it up, it'll, it'll be there. Uh, that being said, guys, we're, uh, we're done here. So uh, thanks. Everyone say thank you to Mike for coming on. Short notice. Thank you, Mike. Great. Thanks, Mike. You guys are very welcome. I'll... Uh, <laughs> ooh, uh... Yeah. What? No. Just go ahead. Uh. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, yeah, so uh, on behalf of all these lovely gentlemen, that's uh, uh, episode eight of ECC in the books. We'll see you guys next week. I think we're going to try to talk with Matt from Unused Subs like we said we were going to this week and then random this of technical issues. So we, uh, we played around. Anyway, hopefully it's Matt from Unused Subs next week. But until then, uh, take care.